This is The Top, where I interview entrepreneurs who are number one or number two in their industry in terms of revenue or customer base. You'll learn how much revenue they're making, what their marketing funnel looks like, and how many customers they have. I'm now at $20,000 per talk. Five and six million. He is hell-bent on global domination. We just broke our 100,000 unit soul mark. And I'm your host, Nathan Latka. Okay, Top Tribe, remember, every Monday I give one of you 100 bucks to invest in your idea to help get it to the top. To enter, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes now and then text the word Nathan to 33444 to prove it. Again, that's Nathan to 33444 to prove it. Last week's winner was Mike Sherbakov. Mike runs his own internet business. He's doing between 100 and 500K per year, and he's a blogger, author, and influencer, building his business, listening to the top. Okay, folks, coming up tomorrow is something like you've never seen before. You know our episodes get heated, but tomorrow's, I've never gotten something so hot before. I mean, big debate, so much so I had to make it private. So make sure you see, watch early tomorrow, refresh your iTunes feed. It's episode 225. Okay, Top Tribe, good morning, good morning. You're going to enjoy our guest this morning. His name is Mickey Meyer, and he's a digital media producer and co-founder of Jash, a multi-tiered studio with partners like Sarah Silverman, Reggie Watts, Tim and Eric, and Michael Sarah. Now, before Jash, Meyer oversaw programming at Maker Studios and produced three of the most-watched series on to air on YouTube. Many of you may have heard of them, like Epic Rap Battles of History. Now, today and most recently, Mickey served as executive producer on several award-winning short films produced under the Jash banner. These shorts include Catherine, which starred Jenny, I believe, actually starred Jenny Slate, I believe, Michael Sarah's Brazzaville Teenager, and Gregory Go Boom, which won the 2014 Jury Award in U.S. Fiction at the Sundance Film Festival. All right, Mickey, are you ready to take us to the top? Oh, my God. I am so ready right now. So, dude, LL Cool, <laughs> LL cool J ripped you off. He ripped me off. <laughs> Is that true? You, you, they saw that you made a smash hit on YouTube, and they go, "Okay, let's do lip sync battle." You know what's funny is actually the guy who uh, built that YouTube channel now works over here at Jash. This is kind of it's like the whole <laughs> underbelly world that I don't think a lot of people understand about how the internet is uh, is working right now. Is that there's a whole bunch of people on the other side of of these channels you know, that are strategists right that are there saying okay here's how you're going to build your audience here's how you're going to find your audience and a lot of them are able to do it without uh without money without paid advertising or anything like that well you're you're getting my whole audience all jazzed up because they love hearing <laughs> you can do this for free with a little creative energy and strategy actually probably a lot i'm sure this this is not easy uh walk us through if you don't mind epic rap battles so just to be clear though you're not obviously still at maker studios you have your own program now called jash right that is correct yeah i uh, although i do keep in touch with those guys and i talked to lloyd who's one of the creators of epic rap battles this morning okay now you your involvement you created it though correct no, no, no. I would give uh, Pete and Lloyd were the ones who really created it. I was more on the production side of it. So I helped to, I shot the very first one and then helped to build the channel for it and then helped to build the audience for it and then helped to build a production infrastructure for it and so on and so forth. And so now it's, it's kind of its own machine and its own beast. But uh, Pete and Lloyd created it really in a comedy shop uh, in LA, West Side LA. And then I think that they also were touring around doing improv and it was just a format that they had always done. And as they started to get into uh, YouTube and be kind of introduced to what this whole world 
because that was the idea was like, well, here's a thing that we've done in the past. Why don't we try this as a, uh, as a show for what at the time was just uh, nice Peter's YouTube channel. Nice Peter is a musician, comedy musician. <laughs> and uh, it started there as a format and then kind of branched out and became really kind of its own thing, then gained its own channel, gained its own social following, gained its own social team, gained and, its own. And Mickey, just for- so, just so our audience understands, we're not talking like 50,000 subscribers. We're talking like thir- what, 13, 17 million subscribers to the show and total, total views. Oh, well over a billion, I believe. Oh yeah. I mean, they yeah. are, they're, they're in the billion club for sure. And they, will continue to climb and they're they put out seasons you know i think twice a year now uh-huh. they uh some of their videos i mean they are they're platinum recording artists right like their songs travel and they get massive massive eyeballs on pretty much anything that they do i don't think that they have a rap battle that has hit under 10 million 15 million views so yeah. so help us understand the strategy behind this you were the production guy you're moving all these pieces together i imagine you when you're producing you got to think about distribution as well you mentioned doing this for free with very little ad spend if we've got a listener right now they've got they they have maybe a big list so they have their own little way to see the video uh what's the easiest way to really max out views and and how should they be thinking about formats on youtube we have to think uh kind of almost like first and foremost, first and foremost, uh, about consistency, right? Like that is kind of the name of the game with really anything, any format, anything that's going to do well online. Most of these people, um, that are, you know, finding any sort of success, they they're finding in a very, very like, formulaic way, but it's ground in something that they're doing repeatedly and they're doing it with, you know, uh, a level of perfect, like trying to perfect that, uh, that consistency at all times. Right. So like the analogy that, I use a lot is it's like meeting someone for lunch, right? Like you, if you scheduled something once a week or, you know, it's maybe a meeting that you have with someone or whatever, however, whatever caption you want to give it, you have lunch with that person every Friday. They're your friend. You end up kind of developing this amazing relationship with them. You stay in touch with what's going on in their life. You hear something about them at a different time in the week. You care about them because you have that standing lunch date. You know, you're going to be able to talk to them about it, so on and so forth if they don't show up for that lunch date that week and they don't tell you that they're not going to show up for that lunch date that week, you're pissed, right? You don't, you don't trust them maybe as much. So you're less inclined to then show up the following week. But if you can build those long standing relationships with your audience and give them something that they get to look forward to every week that they can build in that they don't even have to think about, they just know it's going to be there. They just know that it's going to come up. That's where you start to find this, this momentum build, right? This, like this, this ability to, to take that lunch meeting and say, Hey, you know what? I also during this lunch, I want to introduce you to my other friend, my friend, John, you love John. He's just the best. And now you have that level of trust that you can introduce to something new. And in this case, a lot of like for, to extend the analogy, maybe beyond the, 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 the means that it already has think about it, like for a brand deal for a lot of these influencers, if they are bringing a brand to the table, it's, it's a delicate conversation that they have to have to be able to introduce that brand to their audience because that me, that relationship that any influencer has or that anybody who's looking to create content that has an audience online is a much more intimate conversation than it ever has been before. It's not TV. So what was, what was, would you say, I, I know there's never a silver bullet, but the top production secret when somebody is looking to create these short form videos on YouTube, they're doing it consistently. What's the key thing they have to do from a production perspective? Uh, you know, from a production perspective, I think you just have to be mindful of, I mean, the th- 
it, it, it's like the, uh, the what's the saying is like you can never judge a book by its cover it's like you have with the internet a group of people that are ready to judge the book by its cover you know so you have to you have to give them something within the first 10 to 15 seconds that lets them know a little bit of what they're in for and hooks them in you don't have the opportunity especially with like facebook video and these other platforms that are scroll based you know there's a feed where you're just scrolling through yep you can't give them any reason within that period of time to tune out. And for that matter, you can't, you don't, you don't have the luxury of a slow build anymore. So you have to give them something that they can depend upon. And so when you first launched even ERP or even again, the new stuff that you're doing, when you launch video number one, what's the thing that you're doing to create momentum around that? And then obviously the momentum turns into consistency over time. But on that first video, what are you doing? You are looking at every aspect of what's going to be viewed, right? So like you have to start, um, I mean, obviously content is king within the situation. So you, you want the content to be amazing. And so you have to understand, okay, we want to give them something. We want to leave them maybe wanting more. You want to make sure that the content is well paced. You want to make sure that it has something in the first couple of seconds that maybe gives some sort of exposition for what it is that people are about to watch so that they know why it is that they're going to de- dedicate some of their, their day's routine to this. But then everything outside of that has its own lens, right? So mm-hmm. like the thumbnail, you want to make sure that, you, that it is something that is visible that will pop while it's in a feed, while it's somebody scrolling past this thing or while it's been sent in an email that is amongst a bunch of other emails that you're going to be, have something that's going to stand out that people can clearly identify what it is and that when they then maybe make that second step to then look at what the text of that link is, that that then describes the thing that's in that thumbnail, right? So, so that faces want, in the thumbnail or not? Oh my God. Yes. Definitely. definitely. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. What <laughs> you're like, Nathan, that's amateur stuff. Come on. No, what, no, uh, no, no, no. But yeah, th- yeah, thick red border around the thumbnail. Some people do it. You know, it's like everybody <laughs> kind of finds their, uh, finds their fancy. I think that you want to make sure that you do have vibrant colors. You want something that is going to grab people's attention some people love the you know the border uh aspect to it other people i've seen do completely white so that it's no longer a square it's you find your own identity in thumbnails which is the geekiest thing i've ever said (laughs) i'm cool i've got this on i'm recording i'm recording i got that on audio so so when you guys are thinking about even like things like thumbnails and metadata descriptions in the youtube videos for jash what what kind i mean are you are you doing any research there are you just putting like the comedian names the plot etc yeah you definitely i mean you want to it depends on the platform i mean it's kind of the 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 most boring answer but you want to make sure that like the metadata is in line with whatever is pushing that algorithm right so like on youtube obviously yeah it's a a search driven platform so like you want things that will pop up in search but then at the same time you want to maybe weigh other pieces of your content that uh, might drive search more so like an example it's like youtube actually favors they favor watch time right they want more people to be on that platform for longer they don't want people to just come there be sent a video that's two minutes long and then leave they want you to be there they want you to get invested in it so much so that you're subscribing to channels so that you understand how to comment so that you see value in coming back and so that you see value also in creating a longer session because so that they can serve you a bunch more ads so for us, I mean, this is just more anecdotal than anything. We have um, uh, my two founders in the company, Daniel Kellison and Doug DeLuca. Daniel um, produced David Letterman for eight years, uh, created Crank Anchors, Man Show, and Andy Milnakis' show, and Jimmy Kimmel Live. 
he has one of the best talk show backgrounds in the entire world and knows kind of everybody in comedy. So for us, as YouTube began this switch towards watch time, it was for us about increasing the length of our content. How can we get, you know, users to get longer session times? And the answer was talk shows. It's like, we have this amazing background. Let's take what we have and let's start producing three act shows with all these different comedians. Because then for us, beyond just being again, like favored in the algorithm, just in general, we are able to dominate that search by of comedians because when you go and you search for a comedian, give us one of the names. Give us a real example. I'm on YouTube. I search uh, you. Uh, I would say. I mean, let me do Jack Black. Maybe I don't know. Okay. Let's see what that does. And is he part of the, this core stuff? like collab collaborator? Is he like the core collaborators on the platform or no? Um, no, I mean, obviously he's a friendly, he's part of, I think like the larger comedy community that we play in, uh-huh. but he's, uh, we don't, he's not like a formalized relationship or anything like that, but, and it's been, obviously I think the content was uploaded about a year ago, so it's probably been pushed way down, but yep. you can see actually that there is a thumbnail right there with, uh, with <laughs> beautiful face kind of popping out at you. Yep. It says Jack Black and it's got 2 million views on it. Woo! Yep. Views. I see it. That's great. You're, but it's, it's, it's kind of the same thing. It's like you want to be on the front because these guys, they have so much content being made about them that's going to be shorter form that at least for the minute, especially when you're uploading it, you can dominate that page. You can be at the top of that page by increasing, you know, whatever that platform is. Facebook's about to introduce search. Every, it's kind of the rumor uh, within the video world for Facebook. So yep. I would imagine well, some similar. So, and, and let me ask you another question. Do you have like the next 10 videos over the next two months already planned and shot that are going out on your platform? Or, or do you see Beyonce cause a stir at halftime and quickly create and redo the video for the next Tuesday release because you know it's a relevant piece of content? So we're, I mean, Josh is a little bit of uh, an outlier within the situation because we are focused mo- a lot more on um narrative content longer form content music videos things like that i actually am standing or sitting rather next to a board that has 46 weeks of content lined up so i've got uh, every week an animation and either a short film a music video a series uh a prank or some form of a longer form animation wait Uh, mickey can you flash your video there so i can see how complex this thing is yeah you sure can am i allowed to share this publicly Oh yeah, I okay. can do that. Real. Holy shit! This is like a massive. Hold on, let me screenshot this. This is like a big old kanban board. Yeah, I can take a better picture and send it to you <laughs> with the you oriental like with the oriental <laughs> rug underneath. I love this. It's so hip and cool. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, good. so it's less. It's you're looking at things that people are searching all the time, not like trends happening like in an instant. Yeah. So there's. I mean, there's a lot of different. There's a lot of different methods and theories to it. So like, like. We share uh, office space right now. We're about to move out. But for the moment, we share office space with Russell Simmons company, All Death Digital. And they are on the other end of the spectrum, right? So like they, when Kanye, uh, you know, had all those tweets firing back with Amber Rose and, you know, like all this kind of stuff about, you know, whatever, they reacted to that immediately in office, filmed a video, put it up, and it got a ton of views. And so like they're a little bit different than us in that way, you know, but it's, it's just different strategies. Our strategy and our business model and the thing that we're trying to cure for is more in line with the overall entertainment industry of like trying to figure out how do you take short form content and introduce it to all these revenue streams that have existed in the entertainment industry since it 
really kind of began, right? As opposed to some of these other companies and a lot more like digital companies are more focused on AVOD. How do you get the most amount of views for the lowest cost, right? Yes. So that's, it's, a, it's, a, it's different from us and not to say for that matter that we're not, you know, building towards doing things that take advantage of that. But for right now, the larger in my mind, or like my, my opinion, the larger opportunity is if you can crack the code uh, as to how to conquer the larger, um, larger nut of how to exploit international sales around content and how to take short form IP and, and take that IP and, and push it into, uh, you know, markets outside of AVOD, SVOD, push it into OTT, push it into, uh, you know, licensing like that's there's so, there's a there's bigger win there. is that the big i was i'm gonna ask you many people look at this go oh, is the creating great youtube videos are getting a bunch of views but are they making any money how do you guys make money we make money uh in a lot of different ways and that's kind of the thing that you'll i think if anybody if you talk to anybody in digital that has been around for more than two years and you ask them about like what their their revenue stream or digital video that is and you ask them about their revenue streams they're going to list like 10 things because it's the wild, wild west. I mean, it really is. And I think that, you know, there was this moment, there was a boom that happened about, uh, you know, I think, what is it now, like six years ago or seven years ago, the MCN boom, where it's like suddenly everybody really cared about the word and wanted to know what it meant and tried to figure out, you know, what is Maker Studios doing? What is Machinima doing? What is full screen doing? All these different companies. And the truth was, you know, especially at the time, it's like, they didn't really even know that they were, yeah. you know, try, they, they, they found some, some ability to make some money and do that on a consistent basis. And that was largely just AVOD because YouTube started the partner program where they were starting to monetize. So what are your top three? Let's hear, say your top three revenue streams in January, 2016. I imagine AdWords was probably one of them or Google. Yeah. Um, biggest ones for us right now are branded content. We do a, a lot of work with brands. Most brands coming to the space are, beyond clueless. And so they have, you know, they have a need on kind of all fronts and we're able to satisfy and help them in a lot of different ways. So we work with them on everything. For, it's, it's the funniest way, like it's the funniest, you know, thing to watch because it happens kind of over and over is that people come to us for creative because we have all these amazing comedians and we can deliver comedy and we know how to do it in short form. So we can, we can knock that out of the part, you know, nine, if not 10 times out of 10. But then there's always this question afterwards where they're kind of like, they're like, well, what do we do with it now? And they don't get distribution. They don't. Yeah. I mean, well, they don't, you know, this is where brands are getting smarter for sure. But for the most part, it's just, it's a completely new language, you know, before it was okay. Now that I have the spot, I'll go to my media buyer and they're going to buy the media for it. Yeah, it doesn't work. It's a different thing, you know, it, it, it's not going to earn them the same traction. They all, you know, for the longest time came in saying, well, like, how do we now make it going, go viral? And you're like, yeah, I mean, yep, yep. You, you can't, you can't. So what, what will they do? They'll come to you. So they'll come to you for like a per project fee and say, well, we want to, I'm making this up. We want to pay you 50 grand to create one video with two of your comedians and feature us, them throwing our product at each other in the video while they're telling jokes. Yeah, it uh, it varies, right? So we see the the full spectrum of it. We have talk shows that we do with Norm Macdonald or Doug Benson or you know whoever, and it varies from being an ad read within one of those podcasts to being an ad that is played during one of those podcasts, right? So we also do thirties and sixties and things like that. We did a thing for Purina that was called uh, "I Get Begging," and it was a corgi that rapped, and it was amazing. <laughs> and you know, on the Grammys, and has since racked up like. 
20 million. Something. And do they, can you get, can you throw out some numbers in terms of what these, what, like what a Purina would pay? Is it a CPM basis or what? Yeah. So a lot of these companies, um, you know, they, again, like the, the, they're starting to, they're, they've started in the last couple of years by testing things out. The Purina budget, I think was, you know, in the, mid six figures and they came at it really more with, I think what was essentially their testing budget. So like normally they would have shot a commercial and they were just going to go test a bunch of different ones or something like that. And then see kind of what works the best and then run one on TV. What they did with us, which was really, in my opinion, uh, smart of them was they said, you guys are able to, to, to shoot things at a fraction of the price. Why don't we give you this budget and we will test them in real time. So we shot three different spots. We shot one that was a, uh, what we call a dog dance film. It was a dog. And, uh, this girl, Angela Trimbrook, who does, a, uh, this has this format online called dance. Like nobody's watching. It's very successful. And we created 1940s style dog dance film with her. And we distributed that on hello giggles. And we did a, what is that, a YouTube channel. Uh, yeah. YouTube channel and uh, just web destination. And then um, we did a video. We did a sketch called doggy inventions, So different inventions for dogs. And we distributed that on our channel because it made the most sense. And then we made this uh, music video with this, uh, this Corgi. And we had the director who directs a bunch of music videos distributed on his channel. He's also, he was an influencer. He has his own audience to himself. His name is Julian Smith. How many and subscribers did he have? He's got, I think at the time, I think he had probably just over a million. I think now he's coming up on 2 million. And you have to pay him to get that there. Or is that you just pulling some, some, what what do you pay someone like that to distribute a video? So with Julian at the time, it was much lower. I think it was, you know, Oh God, sub 20,000. But like now, uh, for most of these things, it is, 7,500,000 minimum if you're looking to distribute content on an influencer's channel. And the thing that, and this is really important to remember, maybe going even back to the first point is like, it is a very intimate relationship on that channel with that audience. So it has to be queued up in the right way. And it has to be the right kind of content for that influencer to be able to put on his channel. Julian, it worked because he said, Hey, listen, guys, I'm a director. You guys know that I love directing. I love making more content here's something that Purina let me direct. It was amazing. Uh, I want you guys to get a first look at it. You may see some of these things running other places and his audience loved it and they carried it and they made, they made it that much more successful, but I've seen, and this is, it's like, it happens probably 50% of the time is like brands don't understand the mechanism. They just think, okay, I'm buying this media. And so now this spot runs there. I don't want uh, an intro or an outro or anything like that. I don't want this thing to have any sort of context. I just want your audience that I'm paying for to see this thing that I then paid to make. And if you run a commercial on one of these channels, it can, it can go flop. real wrong. Yeah. It'll flop. Yeah. It'll go flop. It'll go real, real, real south. Excuse me. Real fast. Okay. Top tribe. Do not forget your chance to win a hundred bucks right here on the podcast every Monday. It's very simple. You just subscribe to the show on iTunes. And then once you've done that, text me to prove that you've done it. My number is 703-431-2709. Subscribe now and text me to enter. 703-431-2709. Okay, Top Tribe, I have to 
tell you, many people go, Nathan, you came out of nowhere. Your website's growing so fast. How'd you do it? The answer is simple. So I use HostGator. I don't know if you guys know that, but I use HostGator. And the reason I do, they have like about 4,500 free templates I can use because I don't code. They've got a great e-commerce plugin. And guys, I bug the heck out of their support. They've got 24-7 support, which I love. So what I've done is I've worked with them. You guys know I make great deals. If you go to hostgator.com forward slash Nathan, you can sign up, get your own domain for 30% off and a 45-day money-back guarantee. Okay, again, I make great deals for you guys. Go to hostgator.com forward slash Nathan to grab that now. Well, Mickey, hey, we're way over time, but this was intriguing, so I want to keep going. We're about to get into my favorite part of the show. You know what's next? Come on, you're supposed to get on the hot seat. Yeah, you're, you're full of shit. Look at this face. It's time for the famous five. Are you ready? Yes, please. All right, number one. What's your favorite business, but in this case, let's change it, creative or production uh, book? Uh, hmm. That's a great question. I would say the one that I'm writing. Which one? <laughs> yeah, which one? I'm writing a book called Television that's going to be about... Um, the uh the past uh of tv and kind of where tv how tv gained such an importance in our lives uh, and then trying to write a time capsule about how things are going right now and then writing kind of in the third piece of it uh futurist you know, baby yeah futurist what are the things that are going to happen and so myself and uh another gentleman by the name of paulie uh who i met at a conference in finland uh youtube conference in finland are writing this uh, by going out interviewing a bunch of different media executives. So we've interviewed people like Ted Sarandos from Netflix and uh, uh, James Cameron and uh, you know, Rupert Murdoch. And we're about to sit down with a bunch of YouTube creators. And I think it's going to be for anybody that really is interested in where things are right now and just general thoughts on where things are going. I think that this will be a nice shortcut to not having to go out and have 200 yep. different conversations that we will have had for you. I love it. Okay, rapid fire time. Number two, is there a CEO or a producer that you're following or studying right now? I am. Uh, I really, I, I love watching Netflix. I love watching Ted Serrano's. I think that what, they, what they've done is just so effing brilliant, man. They, they, they really completely shook everything up and they did it uh, overnight while at the same time being a company that obviously took a long time to uh to build themselves up if that makes sense it does it does number three is there a favorite online tool or maybe editing or production tool that you use um uh final cut i use a lot although iMovie for anybody who's uh, just getting into it will do just as good it's just going to be frustrating at times because yeah. the software isn't perfect and mickey number four as you're building these shows you're obviously working like a dog uh, are you getting eight hours of sleep every night uh i am and i have two kids Wow. I, I listen, I, I place sleep and I place happiness far above anything else. Now, Mickey will get this. Mickey job. will get this joke, but his children are aging very fast. If you want to know what that joke means, go to his Instagram. I'll link to it in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mickey, last question. What's your situation? Uh, you have two kids. You're married. How old are you? I am 31. Okay, so take take so. us back to the 20 year old Mickey. What do you wish he knew? Ah, uh, I wish he knew to have fun. Have I think that, fun. I love yeah, it. I, I, I made them the, the mistake maybe of, uh, of, I, I had a lot of fun in my twenties. I had, I definitely had some fun, but I wish that I had, uh, not been as stressed out. I think that, you know, traveling and going out and just 
exploring is uh, the best thing you can possibly do in your early 20s. Top Tribe, there you have it, right from Mickey. Over a billion views on uh, channels that he's worked with in the past, millions and millions of subscribers, really building the future of entertainment. Look out for his book coming up. Mickey, thank you for taking us to the top. No, thank you so much, Nathan. Have a great one. If you guys enjoyed today's episode with Mickey Meyer, you will love yesterday's episode with Cherie Alexander. Cherie breaks down how to get event organizers to tell you their speaker budget so you can optimize your keynote fee. Top Tribe, I love giving away free money. I feel like Oprah giving away cars and I have something special for you today. How many of you have heard our super sharp guests talk about success they've had with Facebook and Google ads? Well, all of you listening right now, yes, if you're listening, you get $100 in free AdWords. Here's how you get it, okay? Again, thanks for listening. Get the free $100 from Google, right, when you sign up with my website host provider, HostGator. Go sign up now to get your free money, HostGator.com forward slash Nathan. Again, that's HostGator.com forward slash Nathan. Okay, Top Tribe, I'll see you bright and early tomorrow morning. And don't forget, before you listen to any other episodes, subscribe on iTunes right now for your chance to win 100 bucks every Monday.